Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Sunday, January the 16th, 2022. It is currently 3.36 p.m. Central Time, and I know you've been waiting. I know you've been waiting for this. You have been waiting all day. In fact, you probably you probably couldn't even sleep. You were like, what, what is the next Bible study exercise? When is he going to post the introduction to the new week of Bible study? You okay, maybe maybe that none of that is true. Maybe, maybe none of that is true. But it is time, yes, once again, for a new week of Bible study. Another Bible study exercise where you are challenged and invited to not just be a passive listener, but an active participant where we give you homework, we give you assignments, and guess what? You have obviously Bible study curriculum available to you. If you would like to be a part of this and you want to be able to look at the curriculum and use the curriculum, all you have to do is email me at newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com, and I will send you a link and you can just register at ministrygrid. I think it's ministrygrid.com and You'll have access to the leader's guide, to the adult study guide, to the daily discipleship guide. It will all be right there for you, and you can use it and hopefully benefit greatly from it. But these Bible study exercises is to try to really get you into actually studying the Bible, not just listening to other people tell you what they studied, but to get you actually involved, and hopefully you're willing to do that. So are you ready? Yes, it is Sunday. It is January the 16th. It is 2022. If I said 2021, I apologize. It is 2022. It is now 3.38 p.m. And yes, I'm here in the empty sanctuary of Victory Baptist Church in the middle of nowhere, Texas. I have been in this empty building now almost all day, but we're gonna, we got to press on. We have to press on. It took us a lot of work today to finish last week's Bible study exercise in the book of Obadiah. Whoa, that was a lot of work. But we now have a new week in front of us. And let me do a couple of things before we, let me just throw out a couple of comments here to try to change your, your way of thinking to help you approach this week's Bible study, maybe in a little bit of a different light, okay? We've done a lot of very extensive, detailed kind of verse-by-verse studies over the last few months. I think it, 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 I think, uh, yeah, I think it's been that way for a while. I'd have to go back and kind of look at all of our Bible studies, but they've been very, you, some could say very academic, very detailed, and very much kind of approached it like, okay, verse-by-verse kind of concept. This Bible study is going to be more topical in nature. We have a text of scripture that we're going to definitely be working on, But the goal here is not so much every verse by verse detail and and kind of and that kind of a a study, but more to say, here's these overarching, there's this overarching concept, and we're going to go to this text and see if we can find things that would relate to that concept. Now, it doesn't mean if you find something in the text and you're like, wait, what does that mean? Or I don't understand that. By all means, you email me. Talk about it, discuss it, and I will come right back here, turn on the microphone, and we'll do an entire, you know, session of study trying to answer that question or deal with that historical context or a cross-reference or whatever you, you find. By all means, we can look into that. But I'm going to be really focused on kind of a very topical, very practical application kind of approach this week. And, and, and that's, 
That's the beauty of doing the Bible study exercises is we approach each text sometimes in a different way uh, and what I think will be most beneficial and most helpful. But the one thing we never want to do is obviously abuse the text, misapply the text, or definitely misunderstand the text. So I'm going to try to be very careful from doing that. But I think there's just this is one of those texts of Scripture that just kind of screams at us uh, with some very practical applications, and I think we definitely need to consider them. So are you ready? Before I tell you about the text, before I tell you what your memory verses are, and I know what, I know you just said, what? Yes, memory verses. There's two. I'm giving you two. Now, if I, I will, I am willing to change it. If I get good, if I get a good argument before tomorrow to, to go, no, 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 go with this, go with this memory verse. If you give me a good reason, I will change it. But for now, I've, I've given you two. They're not that long. And we'll, we'll do that. That's using the Bible Memory app. You can download the Bible Memory app in the Apple App Store, the Google Play Store, just Bible Memory app. And then when you download it, go to groups and look for Theology Central, join the group, absolutely free. Another resource available to you uh, from the Theology Central podcast, all right? We try to make as many things available to you as possible to get you actually involved in Bible study. So are you ready? I hope you're ready. I'm, I'm saying, are you ready I just <laughs> I just said, are you ready? And then I looked up uh, to an empty sanctuary. So no, nobody can say anything. So I, I'm hoping you're out there. I, I'm hoping you're out there and you're ready, all right? A new week of Bible, that should be exciting. A new week of Bible study. I cut myself off. A new week of Bible study should always be exciting because we get another opportunity, a privilege, an honor to dig into God's word. It is our spiritual food it, is, it should be our treasure. It should be our joy. It, it should be something that we want to do every single week. And I, I don't, there's not enough weeks in our lives to truly study God's word the way it, it deserves to be studied. There's not enough weeks in our lives to truly appreciate and, and really find the joy in studying God's word. It, 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 it's always, it always frightens me when people don't find joy in studying God's word, it, it's, it's really concerning to me. They don't seem to desire it. They don't seem to find joy. They find joy in everything else. Your, your Christians express their joy about so many things, their excitement about so many things, uh, football, video games, so many things. Oh, they love it. It's amazing. It's amazing. But you don't hear a lot of, oh, it was amazing. I spent two hours last night studying God's word. And, and that's that, I think that shows how much we're dominated by the flesh. I think it really does because the more, look, the more you're dominated by the flesh, the less enjoyment you will find of things of a spiritual nature. It's that simple. Your flesh doesn't take joy in things of a spiritual nature. So why don't you joy and find great pleasure in studying God's word? Why do you find it to be work, a burden? That, that's, that's, I know I'm starting to preach I'm starting, I got to stop myself from preaching, uh, but I think it's very important. So are you ready? Okay. I have here a brand new notebook, brand new notebook. I love notebooks. It still has the little, like, I guess this, I don't know, kind of a wrapper still on it. Here it is. But I've, I've opened it enough. Yeah. I don't even know. It's not really a wrapper. It's kind of like a, I don't even know what you would call this, but I can at least open the notebook. I've opened it enough. I still need to cut this so that I can get all the way in, but I've opened it just to the very first page to start writing out, oh, your assignments, your homework for this week. Okay. I know you're like, great, wonderful. All right. 
Here we go. The first one is so very simple, and I hope so. But the first assignment are the kinds of assignments that I hate giving because they really require just a lot of thought, discussion, and meditation. And these are the assignments I think a lot of times people skip. Like if I say, do an outline, boom, I get those outlines. Hey, uh, look this up in a Bible dictionary. I, I will get those, those pe- people will really jump on those. Those are very, very specific. They're very straightforward and they can be done. But when I give something a little bit more vague, right? People are like, oh, I don't really know what to do with that. Like, I, I gotta, I gotta think that through. It's kind of like, some people would prefer an attest, just give me a question that I can just answer with like a yes or no, true or false, a multiple, give me multiple choice, something. But when they see the dreaded essay question, they're like, oh, no, 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 not an essay question. Anything but an essay question. Just, just ask me a very specific question. What year did this happen? Okay, I'll find you the year. Well, what does this word mean? I'll find you the definition. But an essay? Yeah, no, no. Now I got to try to Think this through. Well, sometimes I give you these assignments. It's kind of like an, the essay question. And I really want you to spend some time thinking about it, but it's for your own spiritual benefit. So this week, you're going to start off by thinking of this concept. You ready? I'm going to do a little bit of the work here for you, but I really want you to think this concept through this week. Okay, are you ready? Right, if you have a notebook, write this down. Here's the question. What is... A spiritual pitfall. What is a spiritual pitfall? What, what, is, what is a spiritual pitfall? Can you identify a spiritual pitfall? Have you ever fallen into a spiritual pitfall? What is a pitfall? Well, if we look up at a, a English definition of pitfall, we will find this. Are you ready? Here we go. Pitfall. This is from Merriam-Webster, right? They have two definitions here, right? A definition of pitfall. A pit flimsily covered or camouflaged and used to capture and hold animals or men. So you have a a pitfall is a pit flimsily covered or camouflaged. So think of you dig a pit, Here's a pit, okay? And then you cover it with something that's very flimsy. flimsy. So someone, as soon as they step on it, boom, it's, they're gonna fall in. And it's used to capture and hold an animal or a man. Well, a spiritual pitfall is something that's, that's camouflaged. You, you, don't, you don't really see it. And then you're walking along and then boom, it gives away. And then in a sense, spiritually, you fall. You fall into the pit. You are hurt. Spiritually, you are damaged. What are some of those spiritual pitfalls that are out there? What, what, what do you think they are? That, that it may look okay. It, it looks like it's just, but it's a flimsy, flimsy camouflaged covering. And as soon as you walk on it, it gives away and you come crashing down. What, what, what would you label as a spiritual pit, pitfall? Number two, a different, a separate, a separate definition. A hidden or not easily recognized danger or difficulty. Now, I think the the flimsy camouflaged pit, I think that's more of an, that kind of gives you a picture of what it kind of looks like. It's more of an use for illustrative purposes. But if we really want to get down to something more specific, a spiritual pitfall is something that is hidden or not easily recognized as a danger 
or difficulty for you spiritually. A spiritual pitfall is something out there that's truly dangerous. It's truly going to be, it's going to create difficulty for your spiritual walk, but it's not easily recognizable. You don't, you don't immediately see it. You, you just don't like, I, 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 I don't see it. I, I don't see any problem at all. I don't, I don't see that. What's, what's the issue? And the next thing, boom, oh, what just happened? I, I, it's kind of like, in a sense, it's kind of like ice. That, that maybe you don't realize that there's ice on the pavement and you go out there and you take off running and boom, boom, and you come crashing down, right? And a sense that it, it's, it's, it's a danger, but it's not recognizable. You don't see it. It's, it's just, next thing you know, the difficulty, the, the damage has occurred. What could be a spiritual pitfall? What could be a spiritual pitfall that's out there that's flimsily, camouflaged, right? And you walk on it and it gives in and you find yourself in a pit. What could be a danger out there that's hidden? It's not easily recognizable, but it's waiting to to bring you down. What could that be? Now, I think we're really good at identifying maybe the obvious dangers, right? The obvious dangers. Okay, I think, we. oh, I can see, that would be danger. That would not be good for me spiritually. I think sometimes we're really good at pointing those out, but there's these other dangers that not, are not so recognizable. They don't have, you know, a red siren going off if you get near it. It just looks like, oh, out for a walk, everything, boom, how did I end up down here? You don't see it coming. Now, I don't want this to create a life of living in complete, utter paranoia, but we've got to be good at identifying these spiritual pitfalls. So I've kind of given you an idea of what a spiritual pitfall is. So you say, well, you've kind of done the assignment for me. No, I still want you to kind of articulate how you see a spiritual pitfall, but I want you to try to identify some. What are some spiritual pitfalls that you think need to be identified? All right, now, How do I want to do this? I think I'm going to change the order of the assignments. All right. So number one, what is a spiritual pitfall? Number two, you ready? What is a generational sin? What is a generational sin? Or generational sins, plural? No. I think you kind of see something developing here. What is a spiritual pitfall? I kind of told you, could a generational sin or generational sins be one of those spiritual pitfalls? I really want you to think about that, all right? That, that's my, that's uh, notifications coming in from the Edify Christian Podcast app. So if you hear everything going absolutely crazy, uh, that was notifications on my phone, on my iPad, uh, the Edify Christian Podcast app just uh, updated and sent me who knows how many <laughs> different notifications right there. Okay, so um, think about it. So what is a spiritual pitfall and what is a generational sin? What are generational sins? I'm going to do a little help here, all right? Generational sins are weaknesses or tendencies that are handed down to us through the generations from parents 
or members of our family. These sins can involve behavioral patterns and ways of thinking that keep us trapped in the past. Even though sin can be passed down through the generations, each person is responsible for his or her personal sins against the Lord. Generational sins have many patterns. Once a sin pattern begins in a family, it can continue and multiply among the family members. It can last for four generations and can become a stronghold and a stumbling block for the whole family. So let me read that to you again. Now, what is a spiritual pitfall? All right, something that you may not see. What is generational sin? Could a generational sin or generational sins, plural, be a spiritual pitfall? Because you may not be looking for some generational sin. You're looking for some maybe external thing out there, but is it possible that in a sense, you inherit a certain direction or a certain weakness in specific areas that keep showing up, it seems, in generation after generation after generation. One source, as I just read, and I don't remember all the sources from these, or I would be giving you the sources. One of the sources says it can only go for four generations. I don't know if that's accurate. I I don't know how you would determine. I think I know where they try to base that off a, a passage, I think, in Exodus. I don't know if I would agree with that. The key is, do we see these patterns that develop within families? Hey, look, look, this individual committed this, this kind of sin. It seems they had a constant struggle with this kind of sin and voila, it shows up here. Now, first of all, let me make it very clear. Everyone is born totally depraved. So they're already born a sinner with a depraved nature. But is it possible that within certain, gen- or within certain family lines, there's a generational sin, meaning a specific Display or a, a specific practice, a, a specific sin seems to show up in a, in a major way within that particular family line, right? Like, I mean, sin's going to show up in every generation. So let's make sure we understand this. Everyone is born depraved. That's just a fact, right? So you already start off totally depraved. This would be the idea that your depravity manifests itself in specific ways per certain families. Some families seem to have a a major issue with substance abuse or addiction. Some it may be whatever the case may be. And 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 as a result it may not be it may be hidden. It may be look there's my family. You know, and you don't perceive that maybe what have you inherited from them? Did you inherit a certain generational sin that was going to manifest itself over and over again? I really want you to think about this this week. And, and, and we may talk about this again. But I'll just give you one example. I'll just give you one example. And I did pull up um, an article here where they use this example, all right? Are you ready? Here we go. Abraham's family is a prime example of generational sin repeating itself from one generation to another. In Genesis 12, Abraham lied about his relationship with his wife, Sarai. He told her to say that she was his sister. He knew that she was a beautiful woman and he was afraid that if he told the Egyptians that she was his wife, they would kill him and take her. Pharaoh's officials praised Sarai to Pharaoh and they took her to his house and he took her for his wife. 
but the Lord struck Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife, Genesis 12, 17. When Pharaoh, Pharaoh realized that she was, that Sarai was, was his wife, he told Abram to take her and go. Abram lied because he was afraid of being murdered and losing Sarai. That lying spirit in Abraham's family continued to the next generation. In Genesis 26, Isaac told the men of, of uh, Gerar that his wife, uh, Rebekah, was his sister. He was afraid that they would kill him and take her. Both father and son lied about their wives because of their own sins of fear and doubt. In Genesis 27, Jacob deceived Isaac and stole his birthright and blessing. It was important for Isaac to give the firstborn family blessing to Esau, the one whom God had chosen. Rebekah heard Isaac say that he was going to give Esau the firstborn blessing, so she schemed to get the blessing for Jacob. She arranged with Jacob to deceive Isaac when they brought him a meat dish so that Esau would not get the blessing. The sins of lying and the deception of his mother and brother were agonizingly painful to Esau, who had to live the rest of his life without the blessing of the firstborn, which was rightfully his. And then this will bring us to, well, where are we going to be this week? The text we're going to be this week, but we'll get to that in a minute. But just see how that plays out. Very similar sins showing up in one generation after another generation within one family. That's what's called a generational sin. Now, can that be a spiritual pitfall? And if it is, have you overlooked it? Now, it doesn't excuse it. Make it very clear. You don't say, well, my father did that. So you know what? I'm, I'm, no, 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 no. It doesn't work that way. Just means you're going to have to recognize it. You're going to have to be prepared to fight against it. You're going to have to be prepared to realize it, acknowledge it, confess it, repent of it, do everything you can against it. Now, some cases, you may, not, you may know very little about your family. You, you may have a broken relationship and know very little, so you may not be able to clearly identify them. Now, sometimes you can kind of look back in just the chaos, destruction, and horror that you experienced with your family will give you enough indication of, man, my family had some serious problems. My family had some serious, ser- I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you some ideas. I'll try to use practical ones. Now, I, I grew up, now my family's, okay, how can I describe this? I know very little about my parents' parents because my, my mother's mother died when she was young, all right? So that's, that's the end of that. Know very little about her. I know that in her family, there, w- there was some chaos. Don't know everything that took place. My father, his mother sold him for like $50 and a case of beer. It was some crazy story. Don't ever know. So there was all kinds of already dysfunction and chaos going on. And I don't know everything that took place. But when you get to my mom and dad, I still don't know really much about them. My mom died when I was young as well. I know this, for some weird reason, at least with my mom, I cannot speak about my father, but for my mother, she had this really hard ability in many cases to see things as it, as it truly was. She saw things not in an accurate way. It, her perception was wrong and she almost sometimes created a, an alternate reality. It was really, it's hard to even explain. And sometimes it was like so weird, like 
almost almost it felt like at times schizophrenia. It was like completely different people. But there was like this kind of like weird, like never can really get the facts straight of what's really good. Like if she told the story, you'd sometimes be like, that's not really the way that went. It, it, there was some something just off. Well, then as I started becoming a teenager and into my young adult life, I realized I had the same problem. Like I would tell, and I would just, it wouldn't even be an accurate really description of what happened. It almost like I would just kind of fill in the details and make it up any way I want. And I started realizing I was having a problem with this, but in my mind, I felt like I was actually telling the truth. But sometimes I would have to get called out going, that's not accurate. And then it would be like, oh, wow, that's not actually, okay, what am I doing? And sometimes I couldn't even realize exactly why or how come. Then I noticed that my brother, same way, my sister, same way. And I'm like, what is going on? And so it's something that I have to be aware of that, wait a minute, am I really seeing this in an accurate way or have I, have I mess, messed this up? Now, there, I'm still responsible. But I think that that's clearly, obviously, from a Christian point of view, that's a serious thing. That's a spiritual pitfall because you're supposed to speak the truth, tell the truth, be accurate right? Don't, don't create something that's not inaccurate. Don't misrepresent. Don't bear false witness. I mean, I can go on and on and on. So I know that I have to struggle with that, struggle with that. And there are other issues as well. So I'm just, I'm just trying to give some, I'm trying to give the most, what I'm trying to do is show you that it may not be something so obvious, right? It'd be, look, it's easy, my father was an alcoholic, so I possibly have a, and, and we could even get into more from a genetic makeup. We could get into genetics and, and all those different kinds of things and how is addiction passed on. We, we, we could get into a more medical discussion, but I'm not going it from that perspective. Looking from a spiritual perspective. That's an obvious one. Look, there's been a substance abuse and addiction in my family for three generations. There's a great chance that's a spiritual pitfall waiting for me to happen. That's, that's just waiting for me. Well, what can you do? Well, I don't know. Never drink, never do drugs. That'd be, that would be a good start, right? That, that would be an easy thing. Not like, well, I think I can handle it. I think I would just be smart. Forget whether it's right or wrong. Just don't do it because you know, there's a spiritual pitfall there, right? Does that make sense? Well, addiction of all kinds is in my family line. Well, I need to look at my life and, and notice if I see any patterns of addiction. Could be gambling, could be anything, right? Look for it. Some things are obvious. Some things are obvious. Some things may not be as obvious, but you want to see like, because if it's just a way of thinking, if it's an attitude, if it just seems to be, that's what people are drawn to. If you see it, then you can walk around the pitfall. You can notice, <laughs> come on. That, that camouflage is not very good. Come on, come on, come on. I can see that a mile away. Then you can walk around it and avoid that spiritual pitfall. Is a generational sin a spiritual pitfall? I'm going to argue it is. I'm going to argue it is, and it's something that we need to identify. We need to identify spiritual pitfalls, plural, and I think generational sins is a spiritual pitfall. And we need to identify the spiritual or the generational sins that has either already caused us problems in the past, causing us problems in the present, or it could be waiting for us in the future. And could be waiting for your children and their future. 
Very important concepts. Very important concepts. What is a spiritual pitfall? We've talked about what a pitfall is. Identify the spiritual ones, right? And, 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 and there could be a lot of them. Just name, just come up with a number of them. And then is a, what is a generational sin? And I think a generational sin or generational sins are spiritual pitfalls. So I've already given you one spiritual pitfall. I've tried to, I've tried to do a lot of this work for you, but these are things that are just, it's for you to discuss and talk about and just think about, meditate on, right? Just, this is not like some specific assignment and some people want those specific assignments. This is gonna require just a little thinking and talking and discussing and meditating. Talk with your, your family members, friends, Christian, Christian friends, get them talking about these things because I think that these are important concepts. All right, now, let me go back here. Go, if I can find my page. All right, your next assignment. And this brings us to our text for this week. Genesis 37, verses 1 through 27. Genesis 37, 1 through 27. I think in Genesis 37, 1 through 27, we see some spiritual pitfalls that not only happens to the family that's discussed in Genesis 37, but can happen in your life. And I think we see some generational sins at work in Genesis 37 as well. So I think the spiritual pitfalls and the generational sins are all there. And I think you need to take a look at that. So what do you need to do? You need to, you need, you need to think and work on spiritual pitfalls. You need to think and work on generational sins. And you need to read Genesis 37, 1 through 27, over and over and over and over and over and over again. The more you read it, the more things will jump out at you. The more you read, the more you will see some of these concepts. All right, so just to show you what I did, I did this, I I did this. Um, I went, uh, this is what I did. I put spiritual pit, pitfalls, right? Spiritual pitfalls. And then I put number one, generational sins. And the reason I did this is when I look at Genesis 37. And Jacob dwelt, uh, dwelt in the land wherein his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph being 17 years old was feeding the flock uh, with his brethren and the land uh, was with the sons of Billa and with the sons of Zilpha, his father's wives, plural. And Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. Now, as soon as I saw, oh, wait, his wives, I'm like, wait a minute, what do we have here? What do we have here? Okay, um, we, have, we have the practice of polygamy. Now, how far back does this polygamy go within this family? So do we see immediately generational sin showing up in the text that here we have, we have multiple wives mentioned right there in Genesis 37. Jacob has multiple wives. Is he, is he, is, it, is this him simply following the culture which it could be, but is it been something that his family has done? So it, 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 we can look at it from a number of different perspectives. So uh, you see that. And then what I did is, I, so I name, I name two, two issues here. I, I name two issues here that could be generational sins. I name polygamy 
And then I name another one I'm not going to tell you right now that's found in Genesis 37 in the first couple of verses. Then I go from the spiritual pitfall of generational sins to the spiritual pitfall of certain attitudes. And then I start looking at some of the attitudes found in Genesis 37 that I think we can say, yeah, those those attitudes could be spiritual pitfalls as well. All right. Now there's some other ways of possibly breaking this down, but I'm just giving you kind of an idea that, all right, I'm just trying to get you thinking along these lines. Spiritual pitfalls is my, is where I'm focused. And I think that in the text, I see generational sins as a spiritual pitfall. And I definitely see some attitudes that can be spiritual pitfalls for your spiritual life, my spiritual life. And trust me, it causes some serious problems in Genesis 37. Some serious problems in Genesis 37. Now, there may be another way to break it down, but I, I'm, I'm not. I'm breaking it down in a more of a topical way, as you can see, but still trying to be honest and true to the text. So what is your assignment this week? Let me go through this again. All right. There's still one more I haven't mentioned yet, but that's okay. Oh, there's two more. All right, here we go. What is spiritual pitfall? Just start thinking about spiritual pitfalls. Start thinking about them. Start thinking about them. Start thinking about them. All right. What is a generational sin? Start thinking about them. Start thinking about it. And, when, and then start reading Genesis 37, 1 through 27, thinking about spiritual pitfalls, including generational sins. Because I think generational sin is a spiritual pitfall. I think there's some other spiritual pitfalls laid out in Genesis 37. All right? Next. Uh, so what is a spiritual pitfall? What is a generational sin? Read Genesis 37, 1 through 27, thinking about spiritual pitfalls and generational sin. Next thing I want you to do is memorize Genesis 37, the Bible memory app. I've already added it. Uh, you, You can see it right now. If you have the Bible memory app, you can already see it. I want you to memorize Genesis 37, uh, three through four, Genesis 37, three through four, which reads, now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age and he made him a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. There you have it. That is your memory verse. But wait, 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 wait. There's one more assignment. Okay, so let's go through this again. What is a spiritual pitfall? I I mean, I want some, I hope this generates some good discussion this week. I hope so. What is a generational sin? I hope it sparks some good discussion this week. I want you to read Genesis 37, 1 through 27, thinking about spiritual pitfalls and generational sin, right? I want you to memorize Genesis 37. I think I said three through four. I think I said three through four. Hang on, let me open my Bible again. Don't want to give you the wrong text. Don't want to give you the wrong verses to memorize. I mean, it's on the, if you're using the Bible memory app, but not everyone's using the Bible memory app. So um, yeah, verses three through four, memorize it. And then I want you to do this. I want you to take the Katina app, the Katina app. Give me one second here. That's C-A-T-E-N-A, the Katina app. Download the Katina app wherever you get wherever you uh, get your apps from Google Play, Apple App Store. Katina, C A T E N A. The Katina app is a, an app that gives you commentary from the early church fathers. And I want you to go through Genesis thirty-seven one through twenty-seven through the app. And anywhere there's a red number, 
read the commentary from the early church fathers and just make observations that you think are interesting based off the church fathers' commentary. What are the name? And if you find something interesting, name the church father and and the date of the church father, and then what you found in, and then what they said and what you thought was interesting about it. That that's simple. That's easy to do. Even if you don't find anything interesting, you have anything to write down. At least read everything they have to say. You may find an interesting approach to the text, an interesting observation. You may go, what in the world are they doing with the text? Who knows, but read it because we want to get the most out of the Katina app for uh, this Bible study exercise. All right, so let's go through this again. One more time. What is a spiritual pitfall? Identify spiritual pitfalls. Understand spiritual pitfalls. What is a generational sin? Identify generational sins, right? Read Genesis 37, 1 through 27, thinking about spiritual pitfalls and generational sin. Memorize Genesis 37, 3 through 4. Then read Genesis 37, 1 through 27 using the Katina app and look at all of the commentary from the church fathers, observing it and making note of it and maybe writing it down, summarizing it and asking questions about it. There you have it. That will get you started for this week's Bible study. That's a lot to work on. It's going to be a good week of Bible study. Should be a great week. Of, I, I kind of wanted to go into more. I had my original plan today was to do basically, like if, if everything would have worked out today and there would have been actually people here for an in-person service, I wanted to use the Sunday school hour to just teach on Genesis 37 really as kind of our introduction to all of this. And I was going to go into more detail about spiritual pitfalls, generational sins, and then really start working on Genesis 37 going, wait, wait, I think that's a, that's a generational sin right there. That's a generational. Oh, wait, here, here's, here's the spiritual pitfalls found in Genesis 37. All right. Here's generational sin. Here's attitudes. Is there another kind of spiritual pitfall in Genesis 37? So in, in a sense, we're going to read Genesis 37 this week, looking for all the spiritual pitfalls. And I think the first one is generational sins. The second one, I think, is clearly attitudes. Is there a third one? Now, that attitude can involve all kinds of things. I think we're going to see anger. We're going to see pride. We're going to see uh, we're going to see unforgiveness. I think we're going to see a number of attitudes. And all of them are spiritual pitfalls. That they're, they just, because we don't always see an attitude as the pit as a pitfall. In other words, it's just an attitude and we have a way of justifying our attitudes. We have a way of trying to spiritualize our attitudes, but attitudes can be then pitfalls that can bring us down, right? Bitterness. I think that's an attitude found in Genesis 37. Wouldn't you agree? Now, I know I didn't read as much of the text, but that's because I'm, I'm, I didn't want to start preaching it. All right. Now, nobody in the live chat has asked any questions uh, because they're probably so overwhelmed by how clear and precise my instructions have been that they're like, I, don't, I, I could never ask a question. Or they're like, oh no, this sounds like it could be hard work. I'm going to, I'm not, I'm going to make sure he doesn't think I'm here. And then I'm going to tell him that my dog ate my homework. And then, and then I won't do anything this week. Okay. All right. That's fine. You don't have to. But I, I think, I think this could be a very beneficial study for this week. This early part of 2022, I think this could be a very profitable study that could be very challenging for all of us. All right. 
There you go. Go forth and work. Okay. Go forth and enjoy. Go forth and study. Go forth and discuss. Go forth and meditate and see what spiritual benefits we can gain from Genesis 37 this week. Remember, it's God's word. So it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction, that the man of God may be thoroughly furnished unto every good work. Make use of it. It is your spiritual food. It is a sword that can do spiritual surgery. And maybe this week we need some deep spiritual surgery on all of our lives uh, to, to detect some maybe things that are spiritual pitfalls. I think we could have a good study this week and hopefully that's what this will turn into. All right. Can't wait to hear from you. You can email me anytime this week with any questions, any problems, any difficulties. And we'll be talking about this this week and we'll just see where we never know which direction the study is going to go. So we'll just wait and see. And and we'll, and you greatly determine the direction on your feedback and questions. So I look forward to hearing from you. You can email me newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. All right. Enjoy. Have a great week. May God bless you as you study his word.